0: Welcome to the Truth Exchange podcast a neat program, where we do cultural apologetics all through the lens of oneism and twoism. This lens is based on Romans one twenty five. I'm your host Joshua Gila, and as usual, I have my friend and co host Mary Weller on the program. Hey, Mary. Hi,
1: Joshua. How are you? Hello, everyone.
0: So we're using a new format today I'm pretty excited about and hope it works out well, which is through StreamYard. Typically, we have gone through Zoom, um, so we're venturing out into a new realm. Um, but that's not why we're here today to do a test run. We're <laughs> here to talk about the upcoming symposium, which we have been talking about through various episodes with Dr. Jones, yes. uh, Christian Concern, and so forth. Anyways, so what we are doing is highlighting the 2022 Symposium, Stolen Identity, The Theft of the Binary in Contemporary Society. Now, this is how Dr. Jones framed this event, and he th- framed it like last year's symposium with some questions. Yes. What, are, what are your pronouns? How do you identify? And these current cultural questions are a restatement of one of the oldest questions of the human race. Who am I? Today's answers carry a beguiling temptation to define ourselves by looking within, whereas the older version implies that we should look outside ourselves, asking our Creator to tell us what we need to know. Whether in the church or the White House or at home, or in our nation's schools, many in our culture, including Christians, are facing an identity crisis. And if we fall prey to the deceptive influences that tear us away from our ties to our maker, creator, and savior, we're then left with an impoverished and empty and a view of despair. We fall into one So, truth exchange, we are excited to present our latest symposium, Stolen Identity, The Theft of the Binary and Contemporary Society. Mary, you have been asked again, to address the issue of transgenderism, but not just broadly transgenderism, uh, but how it is coming in and becoming a highlighted issue in today's culture, and not just here in the United States, but also across the globe. Yeah, Um, all across the West. Yeah. Uh, Could you, uh, for those who have not heard kind of your story, let us know, how did you, how did this become an issue that that you kind of fell into. I mean, I'll remind some of our viewers, years ago, you had the issue with yoga and it Mm -hmm. wasn't something that you were seeking out and on a, on a hunt to, to expose yoga and uh, in the schools or in the churches, but it just kind of, it just fell into your sphere of life with being a mom and having children, going to school and boom, the schools are teaching yoga. Yeah. This is now an issue. Transgenderism that has deeply affected you as a mom Mm -hmm. and also as a friend. Um, Tell us about that story.
1: You know, I can't believe you brought up the the yoga story again, because of something that happened just yesterday. Um, And I can go over a little bit of the history of it, but just as we were, looking at the practices of yoga and I was praying with Pam as she was researching yoga. And then my son came home in kindergarten. He's 16 years old and six foot three now, but he came home in kindergarten with a note in his backpack saying, uh, you know, that he had been participating in school yoga, just as the Lord sort of laid that experience right at my doorstep after without my realizing what was happening after equipping me to think about yoga and to think about uh, the issues of these. uh, The Lord has done, I believe, the same thing over the last two years with the issue of transgenderism. Um, As you know, last year, I picked up a book called Irreversible Damage and read that book and that was my first sort of deep dive into the issue of transgenderism. And as I was finishing writing my talk about transgenderism last year, about the gospel and gender, that last day that I was writing the talk, my stepdaughter, who was a junior in high school at that time, sent me a stream of text messages she had been hearing me process through and talk through all of the reading I was doing. I was spending a lot of time listening to the stories of detransitioners on YouTube. I was reading a lot of books, um, children's books and books for adults, books by Christians, books by non-Christians, listening to the stories of people who have gone through, quote, unquote, medical transition. And she was in class. Um, and first was asked by a teacher to use alternative pronouns for a student and then had a student that she was partnered with and really cared for explain excitedly to her that this student had started on uh, cross-sex hormone therapy had, had begun taking testosterone and she texted me that last day of my talk thinking okay lord how do i even begin to explain how to apply some of this with mary what do I do? My friend just told me this. I want to be kind. I want to help. I just, I don't know what to say. Um, so as you asked me this question this year, Joshua, I've continued and a lot of people who are regular listeners to the podcast know um, to read those children's books, to pursue the things now that are showing up in schools, to look at the ways that these things are happening around us. And just yesterday, I received a text message from a mom who, through another friend at our school, saw a an assignment for elementary school in which the story of a, and actually a well, I vaguely remember learning this story when I was a kid, uh, this woman named, I think, Charlie Parkhurst, uh, who was a stagecoach driver who dressed as a man for protection, um, in the old west and a lot of people never even knew that charlie was a woman because she disguised herself so well although she did have a child um kids had gotten a handout at school learning about charlie parkhurst but charlie parkhurst was presented as a they and in the crossword puzzle as that was a follow-up for this would be like eight or nine year olds the students were asked to tell who Charlie Blank was, who had never told people that he had been born a female. Okay, I know that was really confusing just now.
0: Well, yeah, you know, well, I so but but this is a retelling of history. I mean, this it's a retelling. This, of history. that's not why Charlie was dressing as a man. It was for Correct. protection, and and they're playing it off as oh no, Charlie. If Charlie Probably had
1: trans, you know, a, a trans trailblazer. I mean, they didn't say that. But that was the implication. And I was sitting, you know, sitting on this group chat thinking, Mary, are you going to launch? Don't launch. <laughs> you have to go pick dinner. Mary, just keep it together.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so You're true. like
0: a dog looking for something to chew. <laughs> I wasn't looking. <laughs>
1: Who is it that's on our board? Is it Jeff Mantrella who says the culture war?
0: That's right. You may not want the culture war, but the culture war wants you.
1: Yeah. It's looking, it wants you and it wants your kids. That's right. And I would just say, Joshua, as I think through all of this, what's become so clear to me, and I've made vague references to this before, but it's become even clearer, is that this trans movement is then... The obvious and unsurprising, when you really think about it, outworking of the curse in the garden that set the enmity of the serpent against specifically the woman and her offspring. This transgender movement is on the one hand erasing women, erasing what it means to be a woman, birthing people, chest feeders, cervix possessors, you know, we, (laughs) uh, people who have periods, um, this is, this is no longer all women anymore because men have periods too, you know, so there's that whole side of it. So there's the hatred of Satan for women specifically. Mm -hmm. And then there's the hatred of Satan for her offspring. Right. Um, that is, what is happening in this grand erasure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I... And we're seeing it all over the news. I mean, the, from cases in the Netherlands to most recently with Florida and the Don't Say Gay bill. Which that's
1: had, not even recent anymore, sadly, because that was last week.
0: <laughs> right. You know? I mean, uh, it, the, and, and they're calling it... Well, they, I should say, the media and the lgbtq movement is saying well if you are for those things the don't say gay bill or you are for wanting to protect your children they probably wouldn't even use the word protect they would say abuse your children and not and inform your children about these issues
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. right you're you are against progress you are against the next step of evolution you are against A healthy uh, um, growth of of prosperity and human flourishing. Mm-hmm. You are a transphobe. You are a homophobe. Mm-hmm. How and how or uh, and, and how would you respond to that? Um, people calling you a homophobe, calling you a transphobe. Well, I know. I know. I would probably say, "Well, you're a groomer." <laughs> I, <laughs> Which In
1: a way, <laughs> you know, I've seen conservatives and Christians um, take people to task for using this groomer it, uh, word, wording um, in response to a lot of this stuff that's going on. And I would say no, actually, I mean, groomer does have a certain connotation that's specific to someone who's trying to sexually take advantage of children and therefore is grooming them for abuse. I don't think that everyone who buys into this ideology is trying to do that, but they are certainly trying to groom the minds of children to believe a false cosmology. Okay, let's stop he- there.
0: Okay, w- w- why why children specifically? And, and to me, and I'm I'm not a I'm not an advocate for CNN News or or Fox News or N, um, MNS, NBC M. SNBC or however uh, that one that that third option is yes. Uh, but it's it seems when I look out onto social media or I look at the newspaper that is seems to be the target as of late. It's schools and children. It's programming. It's drama. It's it's the arts is all geared at kids why kids
1: and it doesn't seem to be joshua we now have especially with the release tapes from the disney all hands meeting that christopher rufo helped leak we have the explicit testimony of people who are not fringe creators at disney but people who are in very high up positions specifically saying that they are seeking to queer content and to get it in front of kids as much as possible.
0: Didn't they say that th- that they've been doing it for years and that it's been in front of our faces all along, just in the background?
1: One of the producers made allusion to the fact that she has been doing this for a while. I can't remember her name, but she was bragging about the fact that she was slowly but surely putting more and more into children's content, waiting for someone to raise a red flag and tell her to stop, and she got no resistance. Wow. So she just went for it and took that as a green light. Then you had an executive above her who apparently has two children on the gender LGBTQIA plus two spirit spectrum, whatever you know that form is now. But one of her children apparently is polyamorous and the other is non-binary or something along those lines. And she feels, I I believe she said that it was a goal of hers to explicitly have 50% of characters presented to children represent some form of that set of alleged alternatives to cisgender, which just, I really dislike the term cisgender, but to straight gender-conforming characters.
0: Um, you know and and we talked about we have talked about this before about the various terms cisgender and mm-hmm. those definitions and and the 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 question I get asked a lot, and I'm sure that you get asked quite often as you are dealing with this out ground zero with other moms and dads mm-hmm. is what do I do about the the issue of pronouns?
1: What's the yeah.
0: what's the best way forward do do we not be offensive and just kind of go along with it uh, is it there a little bit more is it no don't use the, the the pronouns but there's be tactful in how you deal with these things
1: I don't think there's any reason ever to be intentionally rude to a person mm-hmm. but just as much I don't think there is any good. And in fact, I think there is a lot of harm
0: in lying to please a person. On the,
1: the issue of names, I still struggle there a little bit. There's an importance in names, though. I was thinking about the fact that even Christ saw an importance in renaming people. Um, Paul became Saul. Uh, Peter was the rock. The um,
0: other was, way around, uh, Saul became was, Paul.
1: Was, yeah. Thank you. Thanks.
0: <laughs> yep. uh, we're going to get somebody to be like, ah, oh, Mary. I
1: know. Right. So
0: you call you. yourself a Christian. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <no>. <laughs> do you even read the Bible? Um, yes. Thank you. I apologize. It's a little hard to do this off the top of the head. <laughs> um, so, but we use nicknames. People mm. go by different names. Um, so I'm a little less stuck on that. But there is something as, as a mom or as a dad, when you think about the fact that you chose a name for your child, you put thought into and prayed over what that child's name should be. There's, a, there's an importance in names. I think even about the Black Lives Matters mo- movement, who when they have gone into protests and confronted people, the thing that they chant is, say his name. Mm. Say her name. because mm. like There's a weight and there's an importance in names. God calls us by name. Right. Our names are written in the book of life. He bears our names in certain instances in scripture. Right.
0: On, our hand, on his hands. On his
1: hands. And yeah. so I do think that names are important. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had instances in our home where kids who claim to be the opposite gender have been present. I did not find in any instance that I needed to use any pronouns other than you. Are you hungry? Do you know where the bathroom is in our home? Do you need help with that computer password?
0: Right, right. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> and I just used the name by which the the kids were introduced to me. So I, I think there are times to be a little accommodating, again, not speaking untruths. I just, I really think that that's important,
0: but there are times to be a little accommodating. mm-hmm yeah yeah I know that's very helpful mary That's very helpful you know i one one of the things that I'm running into as as a father is 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 recognizing my lack of compassion and love for the the trans person that comes into my the trans child that is coming into my children's lives because I just see. The damage and the movement itself, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Sure. What you know? How does someone like like me, other than like Lord, open my eyes? You know, what are some good practical things that parents can do um, in 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 walking with with that? young child because it some i would imagine some folks would might even be fearful if i if i speak the truth about anything i'm going to go to jail i mean that's and that's certainly what's happening in other places around the world is is if you speak the truth of what 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 biology and say no you you could get fined you could go to jail you could lose your children and you know and the list is a bit horrifying especially for parents to look at I remember
1: hearing Christ say in the word, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. And my goodness, Joshua, what kind of cross did I bear? There there really this may be one of the first times that we really experience some of the awfulness of having to bear those crosses. Right now it's social ostracization. There are parents who are having custody battles because of this for their children. I think it's very important for children, even children who are caught up in these trans movements to see their parents fight for them and fight for truth, even if they don't see the fight for what it is at the time. There was a really wonderful set of interviews that I heard probably two years ago, maybe just a year ago on the podcast, revive our hearts with Nancy Walgamuth and the ladies on that show were interviewing a woman who um, identified as trans for, I believe nine years. I know that she went through hormone therapy. I can't remember whether she went through surgeries or not. I think she may have had double mastectomy or what they Blithely the recall call a uh, top surgery in trans movements or affirmative care. It's just the most linguistic, horrendous lie out there. It's it's not care, it's mutilation. But one of the things that the Lord used for her was that her mom always insisted on calling her by name, always insisted on referring to her as her daughter. And even when she was saying with her lips, and even in her own mind, my parents hate me, they've rejected me, they don't want my good, they don't understand, she knew and could not deny that her parents loved her. And later on, she was so thankful that they never broke that tether to the reality of who she was. They they always insisted on referring to her that way, and it wasn't, you know, an in-your-face. You're a she. It was just a loving. I know that you feel this way, but you are my daughter. I gave birth to you. You are a female. I know that you feel this way, and I know that it hurts. I love you. Your name is Kathy. I think that that was her name. I I started with a K. That's the only thing I remember. But I I think these hard things, Joshua are some of the crosses that we're going to have to bear and it feels mean and it feels cruel until you see the damage on the other side and i've not been in the scenario yet that you've described where a young child has been in my presence who i i do not like the word that you used and i'm not correcting you i'm just saying i there are not trans kids there are kids who have been confused about their gender and sex. There are kids who have believed lies. There are kids who have true gender identity disorder. I mean, we've even politicized that into being a dysphoria not a disorder, right?
0: But it is is—it
1: is a disordered understanding of oneself. And so I've not had that experience. And that would be a real rough one. I mean, there. That would be a, a difficult one to walk through the experience that i have had is speaking to moms who have children who identify as the opposite sex mm. and i tried to in those instances very kindly refer to the child as your child <laughs> um, as much as possible and also to say i'm very I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the difficulty. I mean, the very clear, heart-rending, difficult situation that these parents are in. But I, I feel uncomfortable calling your daughter a son. So I will just simply say your child, if that's all right with you. Um, not all of them have loved it. All of them have been willing to engage with me further in those conversations. Some of them are relieved to be able to call their daughter a daughter. Um, It's amazing to see the guilt that they feel, even when their child is miles away, for referring to their child truthfully as though it's some sort of betrayal. And a lot of them deal with the fear that they've been told over and over and over again, if you don't affirm, if you don't come alongside, if you don't support, it's suicide. You're going to kill your child. It's suicide.
0: Um, so there's. A I've trans- heard that a lot in in yeah. uh, uh, in the news and in a PBS documentary I was just watching the other day that I, that I think it aired about a year ago called Trans Kids. It might be older than a year. Oh, I don't know.
1: I think that is a little older. Yeah, but it
0: was, and it's a heart wrenching documentary. But that was one of the things that was very common that parents said is that. My, my child is saying if, if I, I feel suicidal because mm-hmm. I can't deal with this mm-hmm. or it, because I'm, I'm not seeing what I want to see, I'm, I, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to end my life. And I can, you know, as a, as a parent, that's a, oh, that's a, that's a twist of the dagger in the heart. You know, you want to protect your children at all costs. And yeah. And so you feel like, I wonder, some of these parents are, um, well, at one level, I think they are being abusive to allow their children to go and to, to take these hormone blockers, to go to get this kind of surgery done. Yeah. And I think these parents are nuts. At the same time, I think, oh... What a horrible position for you to be in to watch your children say those things.
1: Yeah, and Joshua, I would say there are two categories that stand out in my mind with regard to what you've said about parents. Um, I like I said, I've spent a lot of time uh, listening to detransitioners uh, tell their stories. I've read innumerable threads of stories, especially during Detransitioner Awareness Day, which is something that happens in social media online. You can follow that hashtag if you have Facebook or you have Twitter and you know how to click on hashtags and then go see associated stories. You can look at hashtag Detransitioner's Awareness Day and hashtag Detrans Awareness and read stories of I mostly women, mostly women that I've seen who um, have regret. And what a number of them have said, now I've never seen this myself, but I have heard enough of these people refer to this that I believe it to be true. That parents are told, and they themselves were told, as soon as they started playing around with this idea of either being non binary or trans was that if they didn't pursue it they were going to commit suicide and telling parents if you don't embrace this you know this is how schools then justify keeping parents out of the loop when kids begin to identify as trans if a kid goes in and says i think i might be the opposite gender don't tell my folks they're going to kill me that gets taken as as gospel truth so this is how they justify not telling parents about what's going on with their students is it puts the student in danger because either the student will not be affirmed and will kill themselves or the parent will become violent and abuse the child because they don't approve of them being trans. Now then you have to get into what's that definition of abuse is, is it abusive for a parent just to say, no, we're going to do watchful waiting. No, you're not trans. We're going to go to counseling, you know, is that abuse? Most of these activists would say yes. So I have a lot of sympathy for parents who are put in that position. And I I can think of a number of these women that I've listened to and read who have said, you need to understand that my parents were abused by this as well. And I think of, you know, you think about a, a family where a mom and her children are being abused. Often it's not because the mom just didn't care she also is being brainwashed. She also is being abused. She also is being manipulated and is perhaps someone with more agency to stand up to the things that are going on. But she too is a victim of what's going on. And I think of a lot of these parents that way. There's another group of parents, however, these folks who, um and I apologize for some of the things that I describe in these episodes, but for instance, moms who have made cottage industries on Etsy out of making tucking and packing underwear for toddlers, okay? Those parents, that I find vile. If you are telling your toddler that their penis is a mistake because they're a girl trapped inside and you're letting your child lead you by fantasy or you are leading your child because of an agenda to seek to hide that very important, intimate part of themselves. not because we cover our private parts <laughs> and they're private, but because you're now hiding it or pretending something else, those parents fall into a category, Joshua, that I think fits very well with your ire and your rage. And this is, this yeah. is... There are cottage industries. You can find these stories even recommended on certain pediatric hospital websites Ugh. that promote quote-unquote affirmative care.
0: That's insane. Yeah. Um, so. How many schools, I mean, how many schools are really pushing this indoctrination? I mean, is this a national level issue? We have the the issue with Florida of the, don't say gay. Were Florida schools pushing transgender ideology, or was this a, uh, a move to just to to stop it before it happens? Um, well, and so- and it's like you know pearl clutching and trying to incite fear and the sky is falling and the sky is falling and this really isn't an issue. Clearly we see it in the media and and in Mm -hmm. children's programming. We we have talked about that from Muppet Babies to the Blues Clues and other toddler-focused programs introducing this. There was something on, on Disney Plus a few months back. Uh, that they had released a bunch of old DreamWorks shows, and yeah. and they released this new episode that 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 was was geared on or the, the premise of the story. And you know the DreamWorks shorts are cute, funny, yeah. creative, but this one episode was on coming out to your parents, and it was about two lovers and. The fear of one of them not having told his parents that he and his lover are living together, and I and you know and they've they've tucked that away right in the smack in the middle for other for children to you know if you hit play you can just they'll all play right through because they're like five two minute shorts right and so they play one after one after the other and boom you know you you're one minute you're watching about a snowman in a snow globe trying to get to a mermaid in another snow globe and the next thing you know you've got two guys hugging and kissing on one another and h- trying to hide the fact that they're living together. yeah well, so, so is this like so in schools is how how much of this is a reality and and um, what do parents need to know about it? Where are we at?
1: I hate to say this but I think you're asking the wrong question here. okay. I think asking how many schools are doing this misses the fact that this is now a system wide push through government and institutions and unions and groups that develop curriculum. And I think this was the issue that cropped up in our school. It was not that our school, I think, was necessarily seeking to push this thing. But this little publication, like, do you remember when you were in school, um, we used to get like on Fridays, it was a special thing. You would get a little scholastic, full color newspaper handout.
0: Oh, sure. It was all the things I couldn't get as a kid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but not the book fair one. These were kind of like they would have little, um, you know, it'd be like a two page or it would open up like a little newspaper and it would be. A little article and a crossword puzzle, and it was something that the school sent away for. Yeah. They would yeah. just come like in packs and then they would get sent out. Well, that's what this was. So I went, um, and I, being I working for Truth Exchange, was like, hmm, I wonder who this publisher is. So I went and looked uh, at the publisher and immediately started reading through their about page. So all of their curriculum is developed according to state standards, according to this and according to that. And the very last point was that they develop all of their content through a post-2020 equity lens. okay. And using CASEL standards, which is social-emotional learning. CASEL, if you go and look at what they're all about, is about critical theory. They wouldn't say that, but if you read what they actually say for themselves about um, the standards that they use for content development, I'm just pulling up one of my screen grabs here, Joshua. Um, so if you look at what Castle is all about, what you get, oh, I'm sorry, let's see. Here's the perspective that they use for developing content this is a nationwide program, and, and I'm, SEL programs are everywhere, and specifically CASEL programs are everywhere. Inequities based on race, ethnicity, class, language, gender identity, sexual orientation, and other factors are deeply ingrained in the vast majority of these systems, educational systems, and impact student and adult social, emotional, and academic learning. While SEL alone will not solve long standing and deep seated inequities in the education system, it can create the conditions needed for individuals and schools to examine and interrupt equities or inequitable policies and practices, creating more inclusive learning environments, etc. 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 So, you're asking how many schools are teaching this, and I'm saying to you, just as with critical race theory, critical race. Critical theory also includes critical gender theory. Critical gender theory is a deconstruction of the male-female binary, and that is the lens by which all of this content is created. So then you start hearing about groups like McGraw-Hill School Book Publishers. I used to work for McGraw-Hill School Book Publishers. They are a nationwide, state-adopted, I mean, multiple states adopt all of their curricula, Um, If they are using CASEL standards, if they're using uh, critical theory standards in developing content for students, then the entire – I'm trying to think of how to – it's like the entire foundation is the wrong foundation.
0: Right, right. And
1: you're not going to get content from these groups that doesn't include this stuff. And so what happened in Florida, so really – The alleged Don't Say Gay Bill is a parental rights bill that says that children from kindergarten through third grade are not to be indoctrinated with sexual identity and gender identity indoctrination. I can't think of another word for it um one of the par- one of the parents one of the families that was involved in the development of that bill they were involved because they had a daughter and i've talked about this particular child on another episode they had a daughter who was going to school she struggled with some mental health issues they knew that she was struggling with some gender dysphoric issues they told the school that they had her in counseling and please just leave things as they were. The school created a gender affirmation plan. Gender affirmation plans, when you look at the documentation, include deception of parents, separate sets of records, not telling parents what's going on. And for about a year and a half, I believe, they socially transitioned this family's daughter without telling the parents what was going on. You have teachers all over the place. The most recent two that I saw, one was a teacher from Vermont, talking about how um, because kids at younger and younger ages are exposed to content like this, it's the teacher's obligation then to speak to it. Um, You have kindergarten teachers in Kansas talking about how it's their privilege and, and part of their duty to present this information to kids. You have groups like Gender Nation, which we've discussed, which has donated Tens of thousands of trans activist children's books aimed as young as three years old to schools all over California, let alone across the nation. Um, So I don't mean to sound like I think this is apocalyptic. I I do think there's hope. But to, to ask how many schools are doing this is to ask the wrong question. I mean, we have this being pushed. Yeah.
0: Let's, let's back up. Last question, but let's back up. You, you threw out a term I think is, is really crucial uh, for you to define for, for our listeners and watchers okay. is the equity. Why is that term so important to this discussion? Uh, specifically, why is that such an important term for, for the LGBT, LGBTQIA plus community? that would ha- be pushing a progressive agenda why is equity the foundation that they need to re or the 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 the, the, the yeah the the structure that they want to lay for young minds to build upon
1: so I have kind of two answers to that equity is a total reframing of the foundations of the west i would say so when we think about the fact that the founding fathers saw fit to declare equality of opportunity for every citizen and they didn't carry it out perfectly i'm i'm making no attempt to um rewrite history okay but they said all men are created equal in the image of a holy god And therefore, they have equal opportunities for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay. They didn't say that everyone's guaranteed happiness. Um, it's, It's an opportunity. So equality means that we all start at the same starting line. Equity in my mind, um, and I'm I'm hearing uh, Virgil Walker and Daryl Harrison in the back of my mind because I've listened to so many of their excellently uh, excellently researched and so biblical podcasts. But
0: I'm gonna tweet that out right now. They got a shout out. <laughs> you guys but, better be listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but equity is a demand that everyone finish at the same time right? So that all the outcomes be the same. And and so it requires the sameness. And I can't help but harken back to this Kurt Vonnegut short story called um, Harrison Bergeron. And in Harrison Bergeron, Kurt Vonnegut had come up with this fake, now seemingly prophetic society where they wanted everyone to be equal in the end. And so what that required, Joshua, was that Extremely smart people had to have transmitters in their heads that emitted really loud sounds every certain number of seconds to interrupt their thoughts so that they, the intelligent ones, would not make those of average intelligence feel intimidated. Um, A very handsome man or woman would be forced to wear a clown nose on their face so that they wouldn't make average looking or, you know, unattractive people feel bad people who are very strong had to walk around with weights on so that their agility and their speed wouldn't cause slower people to feel bad about themselves. And so this was an equitable society. I don't think that equitable was really in the vocabulary of the culture at the time that Kurt Vonnegut was writing, but it was so obviously ridiculous. It was so obviously impossible. And yet that is culturally what's being pushed by these equity movements it's not equality it's it's equity because equality allows for difference right so there's we are all valuable we are all created in the image of a holy god a holy god who's so creative and so vast that then there can be liberty within those creational structures that he sets that are beautiful um There's all kinds of Liberty. We do have sometimes, I I think of my mom who, you know, she was born in 1942. The first lie that my mom remembered ever telling to be polite was based on gender. My mom, when she was seven or eight, she had three brothers, remembers vividly Christmas morning opening presents. And she got a baby doll that wet diapers and cried real tears And all of her brothers got erector sets and she wanted to just throw that doll across the room. She just wasn't into stuff like that. She was a lovely lady, but she just wasn't into stuff like that. And she realized they think I'm a girl who would like something like this. And so she said she very, she felt really guilty because she knew that it was dishonest, but she said, thank you. Mm. Now we know that God created men and women and women can play with erector sets, Little boys can play with dolls. We've talked about this. So there's all this liberty, but equity requires that children dress the same. They have toy aisles with no differentiation. Like it all has to be equitable. Um, That's my, the, the Mary standard version of the difference between equity and equality.
0: Very good. Mary, thanks for being on the podcast today. We look forward to your upcoming talk on transgenderism. Mary, could you tell us the title?
1: Well, my working title, Joshua, (laughs) (laughs) is like stealing from a baby, the culture's attempt to steal the God-given identity of our children.
0: Excellent. (laughs) Uh, That's so puritanical. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, folks, be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast, the Truth Exchange podcast. Uh, be sure to leave us a rating. That way it helps other people be able to find our podcast amongst the midst of and the sea of other Christian apologetic podcasts. Yeah. We do have the upcoming Truth Exchange 2022 Symposium, Stolen Identity, The Theft of the Binary in Contemporary Society. Mary, thanks again. You've been wonderful. We'll see you all soon. Thank you, Joshua. It's always a pleasure.